Are you at a loss for how to handle power struggles with your little ones? Do you find yourself in toe-to-toe battles with your toddler and you're the one who usually winds up waving the flag of surrender in the end? Would you like to learn how to avoid power struggles altogether? And we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Another great way to support our ministry is by helping us get the word out about our show. You can do that by leaving a rating or a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you so much for your support, listeners. This enables us to further our mission, to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I just love waking up in the morning, curling up in my comfy chair with a warm cup of coffee and reading the daily news. Did you just tense up? Because I did. Honestly, I sense myself wanting to avoid the news at all costs and shield my children from it as well. But what if there was a better way to be informed without being disheartened? Well, that's exactly what I love about the world and everything in it. This podcast from World News Group is my favorite source for current events because I can get sound journalism from a Christian worldview without the hysteria, the chaos, and the stress. As one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs, they deliver essential headlines, field reporting, interviews, and expert analysis every weekday. Search for The World and Everything in It wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hey there, Ginger. We're going to jump right into today's Q&A episode. We have a question from Becca in Utah, and here's what she writes. Hi, I love listening to your podcast. I know you mentioned power struggles. Would you further define these and how to avoid one with a two to three-year-old? Thank you. Okay, so Ginger, let's start with how do you define a power struggle between a parent and a child of any age, really? But this especially applies, I think, to toddlers. Well, Katie, I don't know why, but I still have not learned my lesson that Google is not the place to search for answers from a biblical perspective. I Googled the definition of a power struggle, and as usual, I got the world's definition, which was this. A power struggle is when both parent and child are determined to have their own way and neither has any intention of backing down. That's basically saying that a power struggle is nothing more than a battle of wills or a standoff between a parent and child, and the only heart motive on both sides is to win. But nowhere in Scripture will you find that definition or really anything even that remotely resembles it. Biblically, a power struggle is when a parent repeatedly gives a child instructions to do or not do something, and the child repeatedly disobeys. Well, Ginger, it's funny that you mentioned Google because in my car, we can do, hey, Google, and ask questions. And so the kids and I were doing that, and we said, hey, Google, read whatever verse we said in the Bible. And 
Google was like, I'm sorry, I don't understand. And the kids were like, come on, Google, you don't yep. understand. You can't go find that information. Yeah. She could do all sorts of animal sounds, mm-hmm. but she doesn't mm-hmm. know scripture apparently. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Ginger, give us an example of what a power struggle might look like with a two-year-old. Sure. Two-year-old Sam gets bored with his toy truck and becomes interested in the fireplace tools on the hearth. So he abandons his truck and begins pulling on the heavy tool set. Mom says, no, you may not play with the tools as she moves Sam away and offers him a different toy. See, this wise mom is actually off to a good start. She has encouraged Sam to obey, and she's even offered him an alternative to disobedience. But Sam rebels. He throws down the new toy and heads right back over to the tools. Mom gets down eye-to-eye level and repeats her instructions. No, you may not touch the tools. You need to obey. And this time, she lightly pops Sam on the hand as a consequence. Now, not hard enough to pop a blood vessel or leave a mark, but just to get his attention and deter him from disobeying. Then she guides Sam back over to his toy. Now, Katie, wouldn't it be nice if it were that simple and Sam chose to happily obey? Yeah, mine always did. Yeah, mine (laughs) always obeyed right then. I mean, it would be nice, but since we're talking about power struggles, uh, my guess is it's rarely that simple. (laughs) Right. And your guess is correct. And my guess is that you know from personal experience, because like me, Katie, you've probably been in similar situations with your kids when they were toddlers. Though I have to say, I've blocked a lot of that out, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's probably the best thing to do. But the simple truth is that all kids will test boundaries and parental authority in one way or another, as is the case with Sam in this scenario. So continuing on, instead of submitting to mom's authority, Sam yells no and runs back over to the tools. At this point, Sam has made a choice. He has chosen to defiantly initiate a power struggle. And now mom has a choice in how she's going to respond. Well, our listeners know that we are all about getting to the heart of outward behavior. So, Ginger, what does God's word say is at the heart of a power struggle? And what should a parent's motive be in responding? And I'm talking about the child's heart motive, because I mean, we could examine the parent's heart motive too in a power struggle, but let's talk about the heart of the child. Right. Well, let's talk about both. So at at the heart of a power struggle is the sin of disobedience. The Bible commands that children obey their parents. A power struggle is nothing more than repeated disobedience. It's when parental authority in one particular situation is being defied in the same way over and over again. Power struggles should come as no surprise. When a child repeatedly disobeys parental authority, he is acting foolishly and in accordance with his sin nature. His disobedience derives from a heart motive to serve and please self rather than God. Basically, the child's desire is to be his own God. Now, I know some of our listeners might be thinking, okay, Ginger, we're talking about a two-year-old here. They barely even know what they're doing. Saying that they're motivated by a sinful heart and a desire to be their own God, well, that's just a bit much. But y'all, this is not my personal opinion. This is truth from God's Word. Mm. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, meaning everyone from the 90-year-old to the 20-year-old to the two-year-old. King David was aware of just how early sin resided in his own heart when he proclaimed in Psalm 51, 5, Surely I was sinful at birth, 
sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, I realize how hard it is to fathom how our precious little children could possibly have sin in their hearts. But Jeremiah 17, 9 confirms this as well. That verse says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? This verse emphasizes that the human heart is inherently deceitful and wicked and underscores the need for spiritual guidance and transformation, which brings me to the parent's motive in responding to a power struggle. It shouldn't be to win for the sake of winning, as Google would counsel. (laughs) A parent's motive should be to use God's means to drive the foolishness out of the child's heart and to help the child understand how desperately he needs the saving grace and rescuing help of Jesus. It's to help the child put off the pride and foolishness of self and put on the wisdom and righteousness of Christ. Well, Ginger, the world would have us believe that power struggles occur when a child is strong-willed. And we've mentioned strong-willed children on the show, but let's talk more about that. Yeah, and and that's true uh, that a lot of people would say that, that it's a strong-willed child that wants to engage in power struggles. But that's contrary to what God's Word says. The Bible explains that it's actually a weak-willed child who lives foolishly in disobedience. Listen to what James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 say about children who live this way, and consider if it's the description of one who is strong-willed or weak-willed. Those verses say, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Think about that. A person who allows themselves to be dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed to the point that it leads to their own destruction. That's the definition of a weak-willed person, not a strong-willed person. That's the definition of a two-year-old who chooses to pull over the heavy fireplace tools, potentially to his own demise, instead of obeying his mom. Mm. A child who repeatedly disobeys after clear instruction and discipline have been administered is living in accordance with what the flesh desires, which is sin. He is living contrary to what God desires, which is for children to honor and obey their parents. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. I'm not sure why we find ourselves confused or at a loss for what to do when a child initiates a power struggle. The fact that a child is repeating the same act of disobedience really should not throw us off from the fact that he is disobeying God's command. God calls any and every act of a child's disobedience foolishness. It doesn't matter if it's a one-time act or a repeated act. Either way, God has given parents instructions for what to do when children disobey in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, That verse says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. It's really not as complicated as we make it. Now, I'll be the first to admit that it's not always easy to be consistent. It takes time to stop what we're doing in order to faithfully train and instruct our children. And let's face it, discipline is not fun or enjoyable. It's actually a challenging and difficult labor of love. 
God knows how hard it is for us, which is why he encourages us in Hebrews 12, 11, to persevere even though it is painful and unpleasant. He does that because he knows the ultimate outcome. He knows that the eternal rewards of righteousness and peace outweigh the temporal suffering. So, Ginger, I want to go back to the verse you mentioned earlier, Proverbs twenty two fifteen, And again, that verse says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Some people might take that to mean that if parents are faithful to obey God's command to discipline a child for foolish disobedience, it will lead to heart change. And some folks probably think immediate heart change and the child will not struggle with disobedience again. Well, unfortunately, kids are sinners just like us. They will continue to struggle with sin as long as they're living on this side of heaven. But we can be confident that when we are faithful to obey God's commands to train, instruct, and discipline our children the way that He's called us to do, He is using our obedience to do a work in their hearts. Discipline It is somewhat of a mystery in how it works, and we may not always see the results of how God is using it as quickly as we'd like, but we can be certain that God is faithful to keep His promises. Our confidence is in His faithfulness, regardless of what we see or don't see. In fact, we shouldn't be surprised or even discouraged when our kids continue to struggle with the sin of disobedience. We're told in Scripture that sin will be an ongoing struggle and that God's children are a work in progress until the day Jesus returns. Philippians 1.6 says, Our confidence is not in our own efforts, but in the work of Jesus, who is carrying that work on until completion. That verse says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So, if you tell your two or three-year-old not to touch the fireplace tools and he disobeys, Do what God has called you to do and trust that he is the one doing the good work in the heart of your child. Ginger, as you were saying all of that, it really put things in perspective from me. And I wish I'd had this perspective when I was raising, especially toddlers and all my littles, that there is as much work being done in my heart as I parent my children as in their hearts. And if I would allow myself to just slow down, if I had allowed myself, and even now I still have young kids, but allow myself to slow down and just consider what the Lord is doing in my heart as I'm faithful and I'm obedient to what he's called me to do and allowing whatever he does in their hearts to just be the joyful overflow of that. I I wonder if it would change so much of the frustration that we find ourselves in, especially with the little bitties, uh, because it can be so frustrating, (laughs) but just keeping that eternal perspective. That's my Mm -hmm. encouragement, I guess, to, Mm -hmm. to moms and dads listening today is consider what it's doing in your heart to follow what God's word says to do as we discipline and instruct our children. So Ginger, what if after the parent has disciplined and instructed, the child continues to go back to the fireplace tools, like in the scenario you just gave, we've defined that a power struggle stems from the sin of disobedience and that parents are to train, instruct, and discipline their children when they disobey. But, you know, power struggles are real and they can go on and on really forever if parents allow it. So from a practical standpoint, and to the second part of Becca's question, how can the parent avoid being drawn into the power struggle altogether? Well, I have three suggestions to help parents avoid just that, 
how to avoid being drawn into a power struggle. First, encourage children to obey by providing them with a means of escape. That's following the example of the way our Heavenly Father parents us. When God's children are tempted, He always provides a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out. Mom did that in the scenario that I just gave. After she said, no, you may not touch the tools, she guided the child away and offered him a toy. That's providing him a way out of disobeying by giving him another option. So what about when the child doesn't accept the way out, but defiantly heads back over to the tools like the kid in the scenario you gave? Yeah, the kid in the scenario had a choice at that point to obey and accept the way out or to continue disobeying. And he chose to continue disobeying. And at that point, the parent also has a choice. Mom can either go back and forth in a full-on power struggle, or she can be wiser than her (laughs) two-year-old by removing him from the temptation altogether. As soon as mom saw that her son was going to continue to challenge and disobey her authority, even after a consequence had been administered, she could put him in his room. Now, of course, that's if the child is two or three. Playpens are better for younger children for safety reasons. I remember the first power struggle I ever had with Wesley, my firstborn. He was still crawling. I think he was only about nine months old. Uh, He left his toys and crawled over to an electrical socket and started trying to pull out the safety plug. And I said, no, you need to obey. And then I moved him back over to his play area with his toys. And I could tell by the look on his face and his determination to crawl back over to that outlet as fast as he could, uh, that not only had his brain registered what the word no meant, but he also wasn't very fond of it. (laughs) So I repeated, no, you need to obey. And this time I gently popped his hand as I moved it away. Now, again, I didn't pop it hard enough to leave a mark or pop a blood vessel, so don't go sending me a bunch of emails about it. It was a gentle attention getter to deter him from danger. Better a pop on the hand than being electrocuted. Not everywhere we go has safety plugs. Anyway, when when I realized that Wesley was going to continue challenging my authority and that it was now a full-on power struggle that would potentially go on for hours if I let it, Katie, as you said a a moment ago, (laughs) I simply repeated my instructions for him to obey, and I administered the same consequence in order to be consistent, and then I carried him to his room and put him in his crib. Power struggle over. Now, I've heard parents say that they don't want the child to relate their crib where they sleep to a negative consequence, and I totally get that. So a playpen might be a better choice for that age. I use both at different times. Then when my kids were too old for a playpen or their crib, but too young to be unsupervised in their rooms, instead of closing their door, I just simply put up a gate so that I could easily check in to make sure they weren't endangering themselves or destroying their rooms in anger. Have your kids ever come to you with math homework and asked for your help, only for you to realize you did a mathematical brain dump the day you graduated high school? Well, I have great news for you parents. Whether you're homeschooling or helping your kids with their math homework after school, CTC Math is an invaluable resource. They have video tutorials and summaries that are concise and really engaging while still fully covering the subject matter. It's like having your own personal math tutor accessible at any time. 
I have so many favorite things about CTC Math, but just to name a few, I get extensive reports and summaries of my kids' progress. We have access to CTC Math's entire catalog of lessons, not just per grade level, as many online math programs do. And finally, there is a 365-day money-back guarantee, literally no questions asked. If you or your kids need some extra help with math, go to ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial. Again, that's ctcmath.com. I think it's pretty common for a temper tantrum to precede an unwanted power struggle. And we get lots of questions about kids throwing tantrums. So we're going to come back and talk about how parents can handle those next week. You got to stay tuned. Uh, But as far as power struggles, the first way to avoid power struggles is to provide the child with a means of escape. And I'd like to say, I have a teenager now. That even helps with teenagers. This is not just for little kids. If we're providing our kids with a means of escape, this is a really fantastic way to avoid power struggles uh, at any age. Mm, okay, we need to come back for a part two, avoiding power struggles with teens. You know, and you could share all that wisdom. Ginger, <laughs> it's really interesting that you say that because I cannot stop thinking, you know, because I've got a 13, a 12, and an eight-year-old at this point. And I sense that uh, it's it's not so much rebellion as just this independence developing in my 13-year-old mm-hmm. right now. And I've noticed a few moments where we've kind of gone toe-to-toe and I see that it could really head down that road of power struggle. Mm-hmm. But this to me has been such a godsend in that relationship with him and figuring out, okay, where is it worth it for me to really dig in? And where is it worth it, you know, just to navigate this and negotiate this with him? Because you can do that when they're older. You don't do That's it with right. a two-year-old. So yeah, exactly. we should readdress yep. it for sure because this one it, yeah. point, and you've given a good tip on that in the past. So we'll we'll save that for the next, for the follow-up episode on this. That's right. Because it looks very different. It does when they're teenagers versus when they're two and three years old. Absolutely. But the the concept still applies of providing a way out because it applies in adulthood as well. I mean, God gives mm-hmm. us a way out when we're tempted to sin. So, mm-hmm. okay, but back to talking about the littles. If after offering them an alternative, such as a toy to play with, they continue to disobey and initiate a power struggle, parents can completely remove the child from the temptation by confining them to a playpen or to their rooms. Uh, Ginger, what's the second way parents can prevent power struggles? Accept and exercise your God-given authority. Don't hand that authority over to toddlers and young children by giving (laughs) them too many choices. I've seen parents ask young children questions like, would you like to get dressed? Or do you want to come and eat your lunch now? Giving young children choices like that places them in a position that they are not mature or responsible enough to handle. It erases that line of authority that God has placed between the parent and the child, and it brings that really small child up to a peer level with the parent. If we allow small children to call the shots as to what they'll wear, or if and when they'll take a nap, or when and what they will eat, it causes confusion regarding who's in charge. Then when we don't allow them to make other choices, they don't understand and might even become angry about it. I do want to say something here, Ginger, because I think a lot of this is just the way sometimes I'm a bit more passive in my communication style. And so I don't want to come across as 
oh, bossy is not the right word, but just too authoritative even. And so I'll mm-hmm. say things like, okay, do we want to get in the car now? Or I would say, I would word things in such a way that I didn't mean. What I meant was mm-hmm. get in the car now. But that sounded so much more harsh than, okay, don't we want to go do this? Or should we do that? And really, you can say things in a kind way and still be, you know, have your God-given parental authority. But another thing I wanted to say was this, what you're describing is very different from saying something like, would you like to wear the red dress or the blue dress? Uh, You can give toddlers choices without giving them the choice whether or not they do the thing that you were not asking, but telling them to do. Right. And one point that I'm trying to make is, you know, we wouldn't even consider allowing a young child to decide when it's safe to cross the street or when it's safe to jump in a pool without a floaty or a life jacket. Parents are often responsible for the habits of their children. If the child becomes angry and throws a fit when they're not allowed to make those types of choices, we need to consider if we're to blame for that. Is it because we've handed over authority to them and allowed them to make so many other choices? That's a really good thing to ponder. And it's like you said, Ginger, parents are often responsible for the habits of their children. We can unknowingly find ourselves in this type of situation. Uh, If we give young children choices, they expect choices. Uh, So what's the third way parents can prevent power struggles? By saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Wishy-washy parenting also causes confusion. In Matthew 5.37, we're told to let our yes be yes and our no be no. With our children, that means we need to decide up front what is and what's not allowed and then stick to it. Otherwise, we'll cause them to question our word. And that really causes confusion. It's unfair to them even. Mm. A mom recently told me that she doesn't understand why her daughter gets mad and doesn't obey when she's told no. You may not do that. So I asked this mom to give me an example. And she said her daughter loved to play with pots and pans and that sometimes she, the mom, was okay with it and sometimes she wasn't. This mom went on to explain that she cleaned her house on Mondays and so she liked to keep things tidy during the week. But she didn't mind things getting messy over the weekend. So during the week, when mom said no to pulling out the pots and pans, it was a power struggle that involved disobedience and required discipline. But on the weekends, it was not considered disobedience and no discipline was administered. That's so confusing for a young child when sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. Just that one example the mom gave explained why her daughter didn't respect and rightly respond to the word no. Without consistency, the meaning of the word no is unclear. And like I said, that's really unfair to the child. If the rules change from day to day and sometimes there's discipline and sometimes there's not, they don't really know what's obeying and what's disobeying. Mm. Inconsistent expectations, commands, and consequences cause children to question parental authority and can lead to power struggles. So it's important for parents to determine what is and what's not allowed and stick to it. That way the child is clear on what's obeying and what's disobeying. Some parents might be okay with their kids pulling out all the things from the kitchen cabinets to play with. And if you are, that's fine. Just be consistent. Personally, I was not okay with that. I didn't want a big mess in my kitchen, which is why I provided fun toys for my children to play with. I didn't want any confusion, so my kids were not even allowed to open the kitchen cabinets. They, of course, tested my authority uh, on that a few times, but each and every time I would say, no, you need to obey. 
If they chose to disobey, I gently and lovingly disciplined them. If after being disciplined, they chose to try and pull me into a power struggle by going back into the kitchen cabinets again, I disciplined again. And then I would eliminate the power struggle by carrying or escorting them to their playpen or room. Well, and that's when they kick into tantrum mode. And then you're carrying a wiggling, screaming, freaking out child. <laughs> yep. And we're going to come back and talk about what parents can do about temper tantrums next week. Uh, Ginger, we're running out of time, but I have another question about power struggles. What about the two or three-year-old who's not directly disobeying, but who just argues or fights you on anything and everything? What if it's a power struggle to put on their shoes or their clothes or give them a bath or strap them into the car seat? We've actually had quite a few listener questions about these sorts of just constant power struggles. Mm -hmm. Well, same process. Give them clear instructions as to what you expect. No. You need to obey and be still while I put your clothes on. If they're fighting you with their hands or even their fist, when you're putting on their shoes or giving them a bath, it can be helpful to tell them to fold their hands. Sweetheart, fold your hands while I put on your shoes or fold your hands while, while I lay you back to wash your hair. That's giving them clear instructions and giving them something else to do with their hands is providing them with a means of escape. If they refuse to fold their hands after being told to do so, then they're disobeying and there should be a consequence for direct disobedience. Mm -hmm. And if they continue to disobey after the consequence and still refuse to fold their hands while you're trying to put on their shoes or wash their hair. Then, and then what? Then what? <laughs> well, let's think about that. We wearing shoes and personal hygiene, those things are not options. So at that point, you have to remember that they are three and you are not. <laughs> you are bigger and you are stronger. You are the parent and they are the child. It might be necessary to physically hold them in place while you do what needs to be done for their own protection and their own well-being. Mm -hmm. It can also be helpful to prepare them ahead of time for the things that they tend to fight you on and be clear on what will be expected. Honey, we're leaving for church soon, and that means I'll need to buckle you into your car seat. How does God want you to obey? All the way, right away, and with a happy heart. Again, if they choose to disobey, discipline is in order. Now, hopefully, they'll comply after discipline, but if not, again, you are the parent and they are the child. So you do what has to be done. You strap them into that car seat regardless of their verbal and or physical defiance. Why do you do that? Because God has given you authority over your children. And because as their parent who loves them so much, you have their best interest and safety at heart. Now is the part of our show where we share a funny kid quip from one of our listeners. Today's kid quip is courtesy of Stephanie from... I almost said Panera, but it's Piranha Brazil. <laughs> she <laughs> says this, my three-year-old was having a hard time sharing and putting others first. We memorized verses and constantly talked about putting others first. Well, one day we were sitting at the table eating dinner and she stands up and says, I'm others in that cute three-year-old, not so understandable way. So I asked, you're others, what do you mean? And she replied, yes, I'm others, so I'll have dessert first since it's always others first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the way their little minds work. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you have a kid quip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any funny thing your child or grandchild has said, or it can even be something funny you said as a child. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash kidquips. That's Q-U-I-P-S to submit those. 
Well, Ginger, thank you so much for your insight on power struggles and listeners be looking forward to next week where we'll talk about tantrums. But Ginger, can you leave our listeners with a final word of encouragement? Let's step up to the plate and be the parents we're called to be. Let's consistently and lovingly teach our children to obey God by obeying us for His glory and their good. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us today. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering a 10% discount on Ginger's audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child, which is available in CD format or as a digital download. This three-session series is based on the content of Ginger's best-selling parenting book called Don't Make Me Count to Three. It addresses topics such as how to reach the heart of your child, how to give a biblical reproof, and the biblical use of the rod. The digital download is perfect for our international listeners because there are no shipping costs. And if you enter the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can receive 10% off your order. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com, and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. When our kids watch secular shows or read secular books, they'll often come across something that directly contradicts the Bible, and they'll ask, is that true, Mom? Did we come from apes? Is the Earth billions of years old? Are there aliens on other planets? Our kids are growing up in a world that desperately needs the light of God's Word, and it's increasingly more important to me that the resources I use to educate my children are from a biblical worldview. I want to give my kids a sound education coupled with a biblical worldview so that they grow into adults who know not only what they believe, but why they believe it. This is why we love BJU Press. They offer trusted resources for homeschooling through video courses or parent-led instruction. Their video courses are taught by knowledgeable and engaging experts in their fields. And what's great about video courses is that all of your kids can work independently and at their own pace. But if facilitating your child's homeschooling is more your speed, BJU Press offers numerous resources so that you can manage the different learning styles of your child, know what your student is learning so you can influence instruction, and create a totally customized learning experience. BJU Press Homeschool offers resources to meet the educational needs of your family in a way that will equip your kids for a life of gospel impact. Go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and get what you need to give your child a solid biblical education. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com.
some parents might be okay with their kids pulling things out of the kitchen cabinets to play with. Oh, and if on. you sorry, what <laughs> my I had I had my phone silenced. When my dad oh. calls, it's Larry the Cucumber going, Oh, where is my cell phone? And it just started doing that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Okay. 